What to do, what to do. One more shopping day remaining, and as of this recording, the Mets have not made a big trade yet. That, of course, could change, so let's all look forward to Monday's podcast now. The trade deadline is later this afternoon, Friday afternoon, but for now, ride with what you got. The Mets did that Thursday and lost. We'll talk about it after this jaunty tune. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. Trade talks swirling, and we will get there, but on the field on Thursday, 6-3 Atlanta, your finals. The Mets keep checkerboarding wins and losses at home. Last 14 games at City Field now. Win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Win-loss, 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 win-loss. It's like Jared Eikhoff's summer or Jonah Hill's weight. You're up, you're down. Everyone had their eyes off the field and on their phones, though, Thursday. Gallo and Rizzo to the Yankees. Brad Hand to the Blue Jays. Aloha, Mr. Hand. Scherzer moving, Turner moving. Who were the Mets going to bring in? Could they maybe trade, oh, I don't know, Corey Oswalt, Travis Blankenhorn, and a single-A catcher for Scherzer and Trey Turner? Everybody wants to turn a Slim Jim into a stake at the end of July. Every fan becomes a high IQ GM. But turns out both sides need to be engaged and happy to make a deal. And that ain't always easy. Josh Lewin with you, and here's what the Mets had done by the time it was time to go night-night Thursday. They had engaged in a lot of talking. There's definitely interest in Bryant and or Davies from Chicago, but nothing afoot quite yet. They are definitely looking for an arm to join the left one that Rich Hill uses every five days or so. The Mets are 39-22 and when their starter goes at least five innings, third best record in the National League. The pitchers who have been used as conventional starters with a routine between starts and advance notice, they've all done very well. It's been the carousel of TBAs and TBDs that have gotten thumped, starting back when the team didn't commit to Joey Lucchese and then kind of accelerating when Lucchese and David Peterson hit the IL. So the primary concern at the deadline, I think, ensuring those runs of TBAs and TBDs don't pop up again, or at least not as often. And starting yesterday, the Mets actually knew their starters for the next five games. That's the first day they could say that in six weeks. I talked about it on yesterday's pod. Uh, What the Mets essentially want to guard against is a repeat of 2007, when they had been in first place from mid-May till the third-to-last game of the season. The front office basically ignored Willie Randolph and the pitching coach, Rick Peterson. They were begging to add pitching at the deadline The Mets, of course, blew a seven-game lead with 17 to play. The pitching just hit a wall with Philip Humber and Brian Lawrence and guys like that. Orlando Hernandez was pretty much shot. Uh, The rest of the rotation just working with the needle on E. That summer, the Mets' ERA rose every month all the way up to 493 in August and about 5.5 in September. The Mets' ERA by month this year... 2.9 to 3.2 to 3.7 to 4.5. That is a similar scary trend. Now, keep in mind, just about every contender is facing some version of what the Mets are because at this time of year, uh, everybody's looking to add pitching. We get that. And this time around, I think everybody's particularly worried about what the last couple months are going to look like because workloads were so disjointed and disrupted last year. A 60-game season, no minor leagues last year. Here in 21, the Mets situation, uh, their expected depth pieces who could give length, 
the Gesellmans, the Lucases, the Oswalds, the Petersons. They're either out for the rest of the year or could be. Uh, guys like Robert Stock, Jordan Yamamoto, they're not around. Of course, Carrasco, Syndergaard, they've yet to pitch an inning this year. Uh, so DeGrom, having dealt with all those injuries too, still on the IL, it just reminds you, you can never have too much pitching. That is the threadbare cliche, but it is not incorrect. So keeping that in mind, let's get to the game from yesterday. A matinee with thunderstorms in the forecast as the day crept along. The Braves starting the lefty Drew Smiley, 7-3, 4.3 ERA. He had left his previous start after just four innings because of a sore knee. Smiley, a guy who blossomed in the Northwoods College League many, many years ago under the watchful eye of his manager, Terry Collins. The same Terry Collins who on July 29th of six years ago said this. I was crying. So why? Well, he got traded. To who? For what? I didn't know. Wilmer Flores traded? No. Carlos Gomez a Met? No. But everybody took the bait. Wilmer cried. Cespedes came in. Yada, yada, yada. National League pennant. Anyway, Smiley matched against Taiwan Walker, whose ERA was up to 343 coming in. He had given up 11 earned runs in about four innings, his last two starts. ERA jumping up from 2.5. Before the All-Star break, opposing hitters were hitting 161 against Walker's four-seamer. Since then, 364, which is suboptimal. But Taiwan looked as good as Ty Lore had looked the night before to start the ball game. And in the bottom of the first, the Mets threatened they did not score. Nimmo, a 9-pitch at-bat. McCann, an 11-pitch at-bat before striking out with runners at second and third. That would end up kind of being a theme in this game. Still scoreless a couple innings later, Nimmo leads off by sailing a double past Abraham Almonte, who's one of those catch-22 outfielders. That is, if you hit him 100 fly balls, yes, he, he will catch 22. And after Pete Alonso moved Nimmo to third, it was time for Dom Smith. Pitch. That's ripped toward right. It's deep down the line. That ball is off the wall. Nimmo can walk home from there. Smith is on his way to second. The throw coming from Peterson, and it is in time. Dominic Smith thrown out at second as Jock Peterson played that one in off the wall quickly. A good throw to Dansby Swanson. Wayne Randazzo with the call on WCBS. Dominic Smith has taken to heart a piece of advice from Barry Bonds, who just happens to be the all-time home run leader in the sport. Back in February, when MLB had Dom host an Instagram Live with Barry Bonds, part of the uh, the Black History Month series, they got to talking about being left-hand batters. And Bonds told Dom Smith, if you can hit against your weaknesses every day, it's going to make you better. I'm a big believer in hitting lefty BP every day. So Smith has now made that his routine. He takes indoor batting practice against Rafi Fernandez, the Mets' uh, left-handed BP thrower, this year, Dom has a 320 average against lefties. Problem is against righties, which is about 220, not 320. So one nothing Mets into the fourth, but that's when the cookie began to crumble. Ozzy Albies walked, Freddie Freeman flied to left, but Austin Riley continued his assault on the borough of Queens. His fourth home run in the last three days, six homers in his last seven games, going back to their series with Philly, 250 pounds of raw Mississippi-born power, you know, I'd have taken Alec Bohm as the hot young third baseman to watch out for in this division this year. I'd have been wrong. I also thought back when I was a teenager, Cindy Lauper would have been a better career bet than Madonna, for what that's worth. But uh, Riley now 21 homers and 890 OPS. Bohm with six homers, a 640 OPS. 
Two to one, Atlanta, and one out later, how about three to one? When Almonte blasts away to right, the long ball, now a concern for Taiwan Walker. He had allowed one homer in 48 innings at City Field before the All-Star break, with the Almonte home run make it five in his last five and a third at City Field. Last time Walker faced Atlanta back at the end of May, he did so with an ERA of a buck 84. Now that ERA is more than twice what it was, and these short outings are absolutely becoming an issue. A third of an inning, four innings, and now Thursday he went five. Remember, Tommy John surgery and the recovery of the Tommy John surgery limited Taiwan to just four total starts in 2018 and 19. Made only 11 last year. So now here he is at around 20 starts in 2021, and yeah, the, the shopping cart wheels are starting to wobble a bit. 3-1 Atlanta, and the Mets threatened a bid in the fourth. A two-out rally that included another hit from Brandon Drury. Now 2-2 two for two in this game, meaning at that point, 8 for his last 8, with 2 doubles, 2 homers, 4 singles. Two former Mets have had at least a 10-for-10. 10 10. Not for the Mets, but guys that you'll know. Ken Singleton had a 10-for-10 10 10 run as an Oriole, starting that run with a homer off Dennis Eckersley. And our old buddy and current Hofstra head coach, Frank Catalanato, once had a 10-for-10 over a four-week stretch in Texas. He went three-for-three, then pulled a groin, his own, I'm assuming. He spent 21 days on the IL, then came back, went seven-for-seven, added up, that's 10-for-10. Anyway, Drury two-for-two now in this game, but the Mets couldn't score, and it stayed a two-run deficit. Walker back into trouble in the fifth. Ozzie Albies, an RBI single, brought home Jock Peterson, whose dad was a longtime player and fan favorite in Syracuse, by the way. Back when they were the Syracuse Chiefs and a Blue Jays affiliate, he batted in the same lineup as Carlos Delgado. Later in that inning, Riley at least was kept in the yard, but he had an RBI single. Walker left the mound, trailing it 5-1. to one. Mets would strike back in the bottom of the fifth. Smiley now out, Jesse Chavez pitching, and the OBP machine, smiling Brandon Nimmo, singling the other way. Pete Alonso followed by strafing a long home run to left. He went top deck, number 23 for the Polar Bear, and is 12th since June 28th. That leads the National League, trails only Shohei Otani overall in that time. And overall now, we're talking 92 home runs in 309 career games. That means he and Ryan Howard are the only two guys that have ever made that happen. Drury was up as a tying man in the bottom of the sixth, but that 8-for-8 would end with a bit of a moist thud, a double play ball to end the inning. Jarrett's Familia then gave up a home run to Dansby Swanson in the eighth, after striking out Riley, by the way, and Familia had been on quite a run before that swing from Swanson. He had struck out 10 of his last 14 batters, but the former Vanderbilt Commodore Swanson making it 6-3. The Mets were getting hits themselves every inning of this game. In the bottom of the ninth, Hits were 12-7 New York, but the score was 6-3 Atlanta, and that would be your final. Hey, the rookie Akeem Bostic did get in for a scoreless ninth. He became the 56th Met of the year, tying the franchise record, doing it before we get to August. Bostic wearing 71, the year John Matlack debuted as a Met. More on him later in the podcast. So the Braves take 3-5 of five in the series. They carve the Mets' first place lead down to 4 again. And now these teams say goodbye to each other until the last three games of the year, down at uh, whatever they're calling that stadium in Atlanta these days. Here's Luis Rojas talking to the media after the game. You know, Taiwan um, made it seem like he felt that that his stuff was a little better today, and it was just a couple of 
bad pitches. When you look at his, his day overall, do you feel like even though the results weren't there, this was a, a bit of a step forward, or are there still things that, uh, that concern you right now? I, I think he pitched a lot better yeah, than, than the previous two outings. This is similar to the Taiwan we've seen for the most part uh, this season. Uh, the fastball carry was there. I think that for me, that was, that was my, my uh, only concern, uh, not seeing it in the last game, is how his four-seam was carrying or wasn't carrying. He was carrying today, and uh, he had his share of swings and misses with that pitch, um, as we saw in the first uh, three innings. Um, he didn't give up a hit until the Riley Homer, and uh, there's some pitches there probably that, that he will take back. Uh, the hanging slider, uh, I know he walked, obviously, in that inning, too, and that set the tone for um, holding the ball, controlling the running game, doing things like that. Can, that can cause to be uh, ineffective where you want to place a pitch, you know, regardless if it's a back selection or a pitch, and they took advantage. But um, <clears throat> Almonte for, uh, fell in the two, uh, got into the two-hole count and ambushed the fastball. So, I mean, those are the things that build up on him. Then the next inning was like loop, grounder, through different things like that. So I think his stuff was there. I think uh, he had uh, a better command and uh, just the pitch selections just at times falling into back counts just got him uh, and the build up on him. So that's that's a result of his line today. But overall, I'm, I'm pleased with the stuff compared to the last one. I know when we asked you the other day, you, you said that you thought you guys had everything you needed in that room and, and didn't need any additions at the deadline. But do you find yourself at all Thinking today, curious today about what the the team will look like tomorrow. What moves potentially might be made? Yeah, I have no, I have no idea on, on uh, you know the talks that we have. Let's say if there's any, and um, our focus once again is it's our guys, our 26 men that were uh, in there today, and the guy that we're going to add tomorrow uh, to pitch for us, and that's it. Uh, nothing more than that. So. That's where our focus is. That's where the room is. And uh, we're, we're very, very confident in the talent that we've had throughout the season. And, uh, and uh, once again, we're also confident in what our front office does. So, you know, whatever decisions made, whatever is done, like we, we trust it. And, you know, that's, that's about it. But we, I don't think anyone has anxiety or is trying to um, play a different role than what they have, you know, from contributing uh, uh, with the team to get wins. So tonight, I know uh, we're going to just go ahead and study the Reds who we uh, face this weekend and be ready to play them tomorrow. That's it. Nothing more than that. Thank you, Skipper. Uh, the Mets now 54-47, and 47, and now it's the Reds in town tonight. Reds right-hander Sonny Gray, if he's not traded by then. He's 2-6, and 4.5 ERA, up against Carlos Carrasco, his long-awaited Mets debut. If you're coming out, find your best black T-shirt, Borrow one if you need to from late-run Happy Days Arthur Fonzarelli. That's pretty much when that show turned. There was uh, the white T-shirt Fonzie, who was very cool. Then black T-shirt Fonzie, who ended up being a teacher and pounding very few jukeboxes with his fist from that point on. Some people say it was the Jump the Shark episode that changed the course of history. I say it was when the black T-shirt showed up, along with Cousin Roger. Anyway, black shirts, black jeans or shorts if you got them. Look like Johnny Cash out there. Uh, The first 12,000 fans will get a free black Francisco Lindor jersey t-shirt. It's all to celebrate the fact that the Mets are back in black, wearing black for the first time in 11 years tonight. Then the Saturday game, Wade Miley, who had a no-hitter earlier this year against Rich Hill, who did not. It'll be the second appearance as a Met for Rich Hill. 
And that's the big Hall of Fame induction ceremony before the game. Matlack, a Met of the 70s. Darling, a Met of the 80s. Alfonso, a Met of the 90s and into 2000. It'll be great to see all those guys all at once getting their due. I'll give you one did you know on each guy before we take a closer look at the Reds here. Alfonso ended his career by winning a pennant in Japan with the Yomiuri Giants in 09 and did so with another Met out there with him. Anybody remember Dickie Gonzalez, big right-hander who ended up pitching that summer when Rick Reed couldn't? That's the year that no Met won even 12 games, 2001. Three veterans all won 11, Kevin Apier, Steve Traxel, and Al Leiter, whose son Jack just signed his big contract with the Texas Rangers. Ron Darling, one-time Texas Rangers prospect. How can I possibly give you something that you never knew about Ronnie? I may have one in the bag here. Ron Darling, in a 13-year career, is one of the best fielding pitchers of his era. One dropped ball fielding error his entire big league career, and it came right near the end with Oakland. And here's the story. Mark McGuire had the yips for a little while at first base, so he was throwing change-ups on those 3-1 to groundouts, and Ronnie didn't know that as he was racing to cover first, having just joined the A's. Only time all those years covering first base he ever failed to make that play was then, when Mark McGuire threw him a changeup. Anyway, John Matlack, he may have been third-wheel deceiver in Kuzman, but there was a connection to those two to begin his big league career. It was a rhomboid muscle injury to Kuzman that opened a spot for a lefty in the rotation during the 71 season, Matlack making his major league debut against these Cincinnati Reds in the second game of a July doubleheader. He was online for the win, He left after seven innings, but the Mets' bullpen of Tug McGraw and Tom Seaver failed to hold the door. And I know, you're saying, wait a minute, a blown save by Tom Seaver? Well, it was right before the All-Star break. He had to get his work in, just an inning. And in that inning, he gave up a three-run home run to Tony Perez. Seaver, a 20-win season in 71, led the league in strikeouts, finished second in the Cy Young voting, 1.7 ERA, but he blew the save in Matlack's big league debut. I would say that all is forgiven. May number 41 rest in peace, and may Matlack, Darling, and Alfonso enjoy every bit of their big moment on Saturday night. As for a quick refresher on what the Reds are all about, they lost two of three to the Mets just a week and a half ago, but that was before 2021 Joey Votto morphed back into 2010 MVP Joey Votto. Into Thursday, he had put up back-to-back multi-homer games, and it made him at 37 the oldest player in National League history to do that, and the oldest in NL history to hit seven home runs in a five-game span. Then his first at-bat yesterday, another home run. Six straight games with a home run. Each of his last eight hits had left the yard. Last visiting lefty to get that hot at Wrigley, I would think, was Daniel Murphy. Joey Votto, I admit, has always fascinated me. He's so great with kids, even though he's got a bit of an edge to him. You might remember one of the heroes from the book Moneyball, was that guy Jeremy Brown, the overweight catcher who the A's coveted because he had the high OBP in college. They took Brown 35th overall. Votto that year went 44th. Brown, 10 major league at-bats, out of baseball since 2008. Votto still going strong and a very strong candidate for the Hall of Fame. Quick wrists, amazing hand-eye coordination, all that power. Those are all great attributes, but Votto proves day in, day out that so is the discipline to lay off the borderline pitch. And I know for years, Reds fans have wanted him to swing more and take less. Maybe now at 37, he's finally doing that a little. 
Pete Rose once advised him, it is not a sin to be greedy. Reach for that last cookie in the jar. Meaning, if you already have three hits and your team is winning 10 to 1, you don't have to be taking 2 on 0. There's no shame in bearing down your next AB and trying to, to get to 4 and 4. Or 4 4 4, which is tough to say. Uh, Vado, Castellanos, Winker, those are some hitters in that lineup. And Cincinnati comes in seven back of the Brewers heading into the weekend. So they still have the, the playoffs in the crosshairs. The Mets uh, still with what they had at the All-Star break, which is a four-game lead on Atlanta in the NL East, three and a half on the Phillies. All this running to stay in the same place. So there you go. That's your podcast, 20 minutes of your life you'll never get back. The last podcast until Monday morning when we'll recap not only what happened against David Bell's red legs, but what happened at the trade deadline. Once again, the final from City Field on a Thursday afternoon. It was Atlanta 6 and the Mets 3. Do want to thank the Mets in the Morning House band before we get on out of here. On keyboards, Lance Broadway, Slapping the Bass, Nino Espinosa, one of my favorites. The horn section. Give it up for Jose Offerman. And on drums, ladies and gentlemen, wearing number 24 and then not wearing number 24, Kelvin Torve. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you tell a friend. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Appreciate you very much. Bye-bye.